0: This reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins.
1: Have you ever had that feeling that whatever you do, it's never going to be good enough? That feeling that whatever you're just, whenever you're just about to cross the finish line, someone moves it further away. So all the way through school, I was told, work hard or you won't get on the uni course that you want to. And then at uni, work hard or you won't get the job that you want to. And then when I did get a job, work hard or you won't fulfill your potential or get a promotion or whatever it was. And it can feel like a treadmill that is never switched off. And you feel like saying, will it never end? Will I never be good enough? Will someone always want me to be something better than I am? And what about God? What does God want from us? Is there something better God wants us to be? Well, we're in our series, Church With Purpose, looking at five purposes, five themes that we find in the Bible that tell us what God wants us to be, getting on with as his church. We've seen magnification, doing everything for God's glory, mission, joining in God's mission of saving people through Jesus, membership, Loving and being loved, welcoming in and building one another up because that's what Jesus has done for us. And next week, Steamer will finish the series with ministry, serving one another. But today we're looking at maturity, looking at what is the something better that God wants for us? And how do we get there? For each of these purposes, we have a working definition that we go with. And here it is for maturity. As Christians, we've been given a whole new identity in Christ. We've been transformed into the likeness of Christ through a lifestyle of repentance and faith. Enabled by the gospel and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So transformed into the likeness of Christ. That's the something better That God wants for us. And then to sharpen this into a purpose, you know, uh, what we're aiming for with the things we do together as church, is to see God's people deepen in faith, hope and love as we grow together in our knowledge of God's word and depend on him in prayer. So let's look at some of these ideas as we find them in Paul's letter to the Colossians in the first chapter that we had read for us. Here's an outline of where we're headed, knowing where we are, knowing what God wants, doing what God wants, and growing as God wants. And then we'll briefly think about how we're going in our own maturity. First, then, before we look forwards, thinking about growing in maturity, it's important to remember where we're starting from. It's important to be knowing where we are. Fundamentally, in terms of being safe with God for eternity, we've already crossed the finish line. The Apostle Paul had never met these Christians at Colossae, but he'd heard enough about them from his ministry buddy Epaphras. So you remember him from when we looked at Philippians. But Paul's heard enough about them to know that their salvation is secure. Colossians 1 verse 2. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. When we put our trust in Jesus for our right standing before God, when we put him in the driving seat of our life, we're forgiven. Every sin we've ever done or ever will do is paid for by Jesus. He saved us and included us, so we're completely we are in Christ. He's embraced us into himself. So when God looks at us, he sees us in Christ. And so we enjoy all the relationship benefits that Jesus does. His story becomes our story. So that's why Paul can call the Colossians God's holy people. If you're a Christian, The most important thing about you, the truest thing about you, is that you are in Christ, and it's the safest place in all creation. So whilst we're thinking about how to please God with our lives today, we are not thinking about how to be right with God today. Before we go any further, we are ultimately already all sorted because of God's grace to us in Jesus. As for the Colossians, Paul's already grateful for three signs of maturity he has heard they are already showing. Faith, love and hope. Verses 4 and 5. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Firstly, faith. But not just any old faith, faith in Christ Jesus. Not simply faith in God, not just being a spiritual person. No, true Christianity is believing, putting your trust in and relying on Jesus to bring you, verse 14, redemption and the forgiveness of sins faith. Secondly, verse 4, love. Love for all God's people. Verse 8, love in the spirit. Another mark of a mature Christian is that you are drawn to love and serve and do life together with other Christians. We share the same spirit of God living in us. There's a bond that is already there even before we try to nurture it. Uh, To illustrate, my mum was adopted and only discovered her biological sisters who were living on the other side of the world in Melbourne uh, when she was in her forties. But they quickly got to know each other and quickly got to love each other. They had that bond. Getting to know and love other Christians feels like getting to know and love long lost relatives. So faith and love which spring from verse 5 are hope. We have a humble but certain hope of a glorious future. Colossians 1:13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Sharon and I were part of the funeral service for our dear friend Millie a couple of weeks ago. And I don't want to gloss it, it was hard, it was, it was really sad, and we'll miss her terribly. But it was not without hope. We know she now gets to live in God's kingdom of light, as one of the, one of the royal family, free from any suffering, free from any evil or sin, free from any darkness. Christian maturity means we don't live as though this life is all there is, investing all our hope in this world. It means rather that we now live as citizens of God's kingdom that have started breaking in through Jesus. Faith, love and hope, building blocks for maturity. So let's see what else this maturity looks like, because Paul is really, really keen on it. Now further on in the letter he says, He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So, if maturity in Christ is so important to Paul, it should be important to us as a church. And we discover what Paul has in mind when he says maturity in Christ through what he prays for the Colossians. So let's have a look. First, Christian maturity means knowing what God wants. Knowing what God wants. We can't be mature if we don't know what God wants. Colossians 1 verse 9. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the spirit gives. Knowledge of God's will. Knowing what God wants. So it's not knowing God's will as in, oh, what socks should I wear today, Lord? Or what career should I have? That kind of thing. No, God's w- knowing God's will is knowing what God wants for his creation and humanity. Paul prays that God will be at work in us by his spirit so that we know and understand and have wisdom about God's plan for salvation through Jesus. To know deeper and deeper in all its simplicity and in all its intricacy the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And not just a dry intellectual academic head knowledge. No, knowing God's will relationally, in our hearts. You see, you can know all about someone, and not really know them at all, can't you? Imagine you're a fan of, oh, I don't know, Cliff Richard. Not me, of course. Um, so if you imagine you're a fan of Cliff Richard, well, such a fan could tell you, probably tell you the track listing for Summer Holiday album. They could sing along to all Cliff's greatest Christmas hits. They know everything there is to know about cliff but unless we have personally met cliff richard unless we have relational knowledge of him we don't really know him similarly we can be the one with all the answers all the academic knowledge at growth group top of the class at bible college and still be immature to be clear we do need to know about god we do need knowledge of him It's essential to believe the right doctrine, the right sort of sets of truths about God found in the Bible and stick to them. So in the rest of this letter, to the Colossians and in others, Paul pulls no punches in condemning false teaching, false knowledge and urging people to stick to the gospel. But knowing God is having a relationship with him, having a heart knowledge as well as a head knowledge of him loving him by knowing what he wants and seeking to live that way we understand this with human relationships don't we i've been married to sharon for 24 years now and we we know each other pretty well but imagine if i didn't know much about sharon that'd be awful wouldn't it you know to marry her and then never to bother never bother to find out what she likes what she wants to be ignorant Ever hopes and dreams? Even worse, what would it be to know what Sharon's hopes and dreams were and completely not ignore them, not care about them? Now, I should confess, I know she longs for me not to leave the teaspoon on the bench when I've made a cup of tea. Uh, look, that's an ongoing 24 year long project. But you get the idea. We can't be mature. If we don't know what God wants, because without knowing that, we can't know how to relate to him, how to love him. God has revealed who he is, all his hopes and dreams, his character, his past dealings with humanity and his future plans for us. Reveal all of that in his word in the Bible. It's all laid out for us there. And God speaks to us through it as his spirit illuminates it and hits it home to our hearts when we read it and reflect on it. Sometimes people want God to tell them his will directly. But that's like saying, Yeah, uh, look, God, it it looks like a good book. Um, Can you just send me a summary in an email? It's like dismissing the chance to experience a musical at the theatre and just wanting to read a review about it instead. Well, this reminds me of the time I was out for dinner and a couple at our table were clearly having troubles and they've since split. The husband said to the wife at one point, why don't you just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do that. And her face crumpled and seemed to be saying, what I really want, is for you to care enough to already know what I want. God has poured his heart and soul out to us in his word, and he wants us to make decisions and live our lives based on what we know of him from the Bible. That's our next sign of maturity, doing what God wants, doing what God wants. Being mature means living out in practice what we know pleases God. So Colossians 1 verse 10. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Live a life worthy. That is to love what God loves, to hate what he hates, and for the way we live our lives to line up with that to strive to live as sin free as possible not to earn salvation but because we are saved already and as we do that as we apply the gospel to our lives we grow in our relational knowledge of god it reminds me of some really helpful marriage advice sharon and i got Um, so the church planting organization we were involved with seeks to care for married planters by taking us on a marriage retreat each year and we learned a great tool, that when someone, some issue or conflict comes up, instead of it collapsing into a big, conflicty argument, what, you say, what you're doing instead is use this tool. You say, when you do A, it makes me feel B. Could you please C? So, for example, back to the teaspoon. When you leave the teaspoon on the counter, It makes me feel like you don't care about the things that bug me. Could you please start putting it in the dishwasher? Pretty easy, hey? The idea is that it's specific and it locates the problem in the feelings that it creates, not the rights or wrongs of where the teaspoon should be. And it gives us a way forward. And in his grace, God has opened up in his word so much That we can know what God would say for when you do A, I feel, B, could you please, C. So maturing as a Christian means getting on with the could you please. And as we grow, anticipating more and more what that could you please for God is. But we won't be sinless or perfect as a church this side of eternity, but we can aspire to be, we can give it a red hot go, and it won't save us, but it will please and honour God as we display his goodness and grace to the world. And the good news is, we're not left to give it a red hot go under our own steam, by our own efforts. Our next heading, Grow How God Wants. Grow how God wants. Christian maturity means relying on God's strength. Living a life that pleases God, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. The world says to succeed, look within yourself. So here are some allegedly inspirational memes. The kind of thing that people share on Facebook. Never give up without a fight. Stop saying I wish. Start saying I will. If you can't find a way, create one. Do you get the message? They all reckon it's down to you. You just need to try harder. I prefer this one from Despair.com. At least it's honest. Get to work. You aren't paid to believe in the power of your dreams. But for Christians, that pull yourself up by your bootstraps attitude is immature. Maturity is knowing that we'll soon be burnt out and lost as a church if we attempt to live for Jesus in our own strength. Everything we aspire to do, we need God's power for. And notice this power isn't necessarily spectacular. It's for endurance and patience. We'll sometimes end up going against what God wants. We'll keep getting knocked down. But we'll get up again, stronger, wiser, with more knowledge and understanding of God's will. And the fruit of this, verse 12, is joyful thanks instead of frustration. You see, under our own efforts, if we fail, well, we despair. If we succeed, we become proud. But relying on God's power, we can endure failure. And when we succeed, we have joyful thanks, giving him the glory. So how do we do this? Well, we demonstrate our dependence on God in prayer. So later on, have a look at the rest of Colossians, have a look at all the prayers that Paul prays and try praying them for yourself or for others at church. So finally, what about us? What practical ways can we be growing in our maturity? Well, if you're you're watching this, so that's a good start. And everything we do together is centred on God's word, again not just to know about God, but so that we can relate to him, know him with our our heads and our hearts, and know how to put that relational knowledge into practice with our hands, with what we do. The main way we strive for maturity in an organised way as a church is in our small group Bible studies. And we call them growth groups to remind ourselves what they're for. They're aimed at growing us to maturity in Christ. And the great, because in a group you can really wrestle with the text together. You can be much more specific about applying what we find about what God wants into each other's lives. Practically thinking that through and we can pray for each other much more specifically. Now, the things about maturity that we've looked at today, knowing God personally through his word, living a life in grateful response to his grace to us in Jesus, all powered by his Holy Spirit. I mean, we talk about those things and about how to apply them pretty much every week. So perhaps it's more helpful to finish by thinking about what blockages to maturity we might have. Well, I think one is that in our network of churches, one of the dangers is we can end up thinking, I belong to a good Bible teaching church, therefore I am maturing. Whereas in fact, we could just be puffing ourselves up with knowledge. So ask yourself, as you read the Bible, as you come to church and growth group, am I here to listen to God? Am I attentive to what God wants for my head and my heart and my hands? Well, maybe your blockage is that you are feeling frustrated or maybe feeling proud Because you are trying to grow yourself without God's help. Well, if that's you, turn to God in dependent prayer. Or maybe you know that your maturity is stalled because you know that you keep going back to something that you're certain God doesn't want. Remember, Jesus has not just saved us from our sin but he's also given us power to overcome our sin. So whatever your blockage is, it does not rule you. It does not define you. Jesus defines you, you are in him. And any sin is not better than life lived his way. Sin is just a con that promises life Delivers death. So turn to Jesus now in repentance and faith and ask Him to deal with whatever is blocking you. We've been given a whole new identity in Christ. We're being transformed into the likeness of Christ through living a life of repentance and faith, enabled by the gospel and powered up by the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be great to see our church deepen in faith, deepen in hope, deepen in love, as we grow together in our knowledge of God's word and really depend on him in prayer.